And I said to the couple, well, when was it really good in your relationship? When did it start turning sour? They said it was really good the first year. Then after that, it was terrible. I go, so you just piled on nine more years on top of that. (laughs) Nine horrible years. Because the first year was good, but you don't want to cut your losses because I invested all that time. Look, you don't need to watch Police Academy 7 because you like Police Academy (laughs) 1, okay? It's that time again, coping on the couch with Courtney and Brian. Courtney, a licensed therapist. Brian, an absolute mess from a mental health (laughs) perspective who has just gotten so much out of therapy over the years. And Courtney, during our last episode, episode 26, toward the tail end, there was a mention about how you get older your circle gets smaller. When mm-hmm. you're younger, a lot of times it's quantity over quality, but then there's the flippity-flop. As you yeah. get older, you realize that there are certain things that perhaps you are willing to put up with, and there are some people with whom you should be surrounding yourself, mm-hmm. and others, maybe that's not exactly the case. And sometimes that can be an enormous key to your happiness. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I have found, because I've worked in a lot of jobs where you're doing the team dynamic, whether or not it's co-hosting a radio show with somebody, whether or not it is writing comedy for television. If you don't like that person with whom you are in the presence of for 40, 50, 60 hours a week, boy, oh boy, that spells trouble. That's got to be hard. Have you had that happen? Oh my God, yes. And I (laughs) can tell you that probably more often than not, there are many times where people assume two things, especially about a radio personality. One, based on the format on which you are working you must absolutely love that music. And Mm -hmm. to be completely and totally honest with you, not always. Mm -hmm. We go where the jobs are. We're more focused on the content than we are the music. Usually, I can adjust and adapt with certain exceptions there. The other assumption that people make is, well, the two of them must be best friends because you have to play nice on the radio, but I can cite you many examples of teams that have been together for 30 years and outside of the building have absolutely nothing to do with each other. And I can tell you the same thing in television too where sometimes the people working together really can't stand each other but they have no choice if they want to keep that job and if they have chemistry even though it's maybe going the other way but at least the chemistry shines through but I was thinking too with you doing work as a writer that must be difficult to have all these different writers and personalities and people not getting along too it extends beyond that too because you're dealing with a producer maybe who's not that funny Mm -hmm. and is making horrible decisions and then you're trying to defend what you're doing and then there are people who are trying to stab you in the back there's all kinds of politics and not only that when you're working in that world the egos of the celebrities and how nasty some of them can get in a lot of different ways that might explain why i'm back on the east coast doing radio (laughs) (laughs) exactly well that's so interesting though and like you said at work you can have a work family Mm -hmm. you know where it's like different personalities different ways of gelling and stuff like that some people you get along with some people you might not be able to stand but then also like you were saying too with our family that we don't choose sometimes we can have some issues with that and also our friends like you had mentioned and i always tell this to clients too and i say this to myself and my friends that I'm so appreciative for my friends, but you do notice that as you get older, it's more about the quality than the quantity. And I always say at any given time in your life, you only have that you can count on one hand, the people that you can really and truly count on at two o'clock in the morning when something's going wrong, that you can call up and will be there for you. So it is important, I think, to kind of, as you get older too, to look at the quality of your relationships and to look at the people around you as like, okay, do they help to challenge me? Do they help me to feel good? 
good? Do we have the same values? Because sometimes we have to look at that and sometimes we have to shift and change our relationships. There are pluses and minuses to all three scenarios that you mentioned when it comes to the work family, the family family, and Mm -hmm. the friend family. And I will get into that in just a little bit. But in relation to what you're saying about eventually choosing quality over quantity, I think when you're younger, there is this obsession with wanting to be popular. Mm -hmm. There is this thing where you're trying to kid yourself into thinking that everybody has to like you and you need to do whatever you have to to make that possible. Well, that is impossible. And at some point, you have to start making some difficult decisions in relation to what you are willing to put up with and what you are not willing to put up with. And sometimes you don't have a choice in the matter. Let's go back to that whole work family thing. If you are working a job that you really like the job, but you don't like your coworkers, but you have no way to get out of it, and especially if you need that paycheck, you're kind of stuck and you just have to make the best of that situation. Sometimes you can be born into a family. They say you can pick your friends, you can't pick your family. And sometimes that's also a roll of the dice. There have been situations where not only have I had to walk away from my family and certain members of them for a particular length of time, I've had to advise other people who come to me for advice to do the same. When it comes to friends, I think it gets a lot easier because you're not financially relying on them, ideally. (laughs) And also, it's not going to destroy you if you walk away from them. May I also add, and I guess it's part of the family and friend dynamic, marriages can get quite complicated, and we will cover that as well. But I wanted to start with some of the advice that I had to give somebody who contacted me because she was suicidal. She knew about my journey through depression because of everything that I had done on the radio. So she came to me for advice. She was addicted to heroin. I mean, everything was just spiraling out of control. And the deeper into the weeds that I got, and I was a little bit nervous because I said, I'm not a professional. And I felt like if it gets to a point where I don't have an answer, I'm going to refer her to somebody else. But at that point, she trusted me because of the relationship she had with me. So I did the best that I could. And the more that she was discussing things, and I've had this happen with other people too. There was another example of somebody who said, my family is just treating me so horribly because I prefer people from the same sex in terms of romantic relationships, and they are so religious that they can't put up with it, and I don't know what to do. And I think the problem in situations like that is, in many ways, we are brainwashed from a thousand different directions from a very early age, and it is sometimes about control when people are telling you blood is thicker than water, especially people mm-hmm. who are controlling you to an extent in which you should not be controlled. And as a kid, you might lap that right up, or perhaps from a religious perspective, I was brought up as a Catholic. Honor thy father and mother. That is a commandment. Well, if your dad is beating you to a pulp on a daily basis, that's not something that you should take from a black and white perspective. And sometimes you have to save yourself. And in many instances in which you are choosing quality over quantity, sometimes you do have to be selfish when society is telling you you are being a horrible person for doing so. It can be very difficult to work around that. Now, with this heroin addict, I finally got her out from under her family, which eventually got her into rehab, which eventually got her off of heroin, which eventually got her back into school, which eventually inspired her to say, 
I want to help people in the way that I was just helped. And now she is somebody who is counseling people with addiction. And with all of that fixed, she has been able to go back and try to mend fences Mm -hmm. and try to repair some of those relationships. So when I say you need to walk away, it doesn't necessarily have to be permanent. And try to keep your eye on that fastball. As we always say, in this moment, this is the best thing for me to do. Maybe it's not going to be that way six months from now, but right now I need to save myself. And that is amazing. And Brian, really taking that in as you were there in those critical moments where we say that there's a fork in the road. It's like, which way am I going to go? What decisions and choices will I make? And it's compounded with addiction. It's so, so difficult. So it was critical that she had your support at that time. And so really acknowledging yourself for being there. It's scary though, right? You said it was scary to, to be there because you're like, oh my gosh, what if I say the wrong thing? What if this is way over my head? But that is so, so important to give that validation and that support to someone and help them along their path. And I will speak to that. I've had clients and different people that I've interacted with where it's heartbreaking what is going on in the family. And although they don't want to walk away, they do sometimes to have to save themselves. And it's easy for us, especially with addiction, it's easy for people who are not in a family that's addicted to say, oh, walk away from your family. That's what you need to do. But it is really difficult. If you think about that, how hard would that be? But maybe it sounds logical to us like, okay, get away from the unhealthy people so you can get yourself healthy. But I always empathize with my clients and I say, I realize what I'm telling you or what I'm advising you to do. But I also realize that that is got to be heart wrenching. I mean, a lot of people, we count on our supports and our family and our friends to lift us up when we're having a hard time. But if they're also kind of in the soup with things, it can be very difficult. So I think it's taking that long and hard look at it and realizing, like you said, it doesn't have to be forever, but sometimes you have to get out. You have to heal yourself. You have to learn. You have to figure out what your triggers are so you don't go backwards. And then when you are in a much healthier place to be able to have some kind of relationship with some of these people, but with limits and boundaries. And if they're not being respected, then you also have to have consequences with that. And when it comes to family, here's the other difficult component. As you are being brought up in that situation, to you, that is normal. You are so young, you have nothing to compare it to. So for you, it's like, okay, everything's fine, and I'm being told this, and I have to respect my parents. But then as you get a little bit older, and you mature, and you take a look around, and you're like, how come other people are not in the situation that I'm in? Mm -hmm. At that point, it can still be scary, because if you have been controlled by somebody that you fear, mm-hmm. you're too afraid to take a step away, which to me, I can move that to the romantic relationship and the marriage realm. And again, the societal pressure, if you are a religious person, till death do you part. Mm-hmm. And then you think, oh my God, I can't violate that. Well, what if you are a victim of an abusive relationship? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure, Courtney, you have dealt with this a thousand times over. How complicated can something like that get if somebody is the breadwinner And you know, if you have a child, if I go out there and I leave and I take this kid, I have no way to support the two of us. So I have to just keep taking this Mm -hmm. or, well, he or she apologized and said that they're not going to do it again. And when they are nice, they are really nice. And maybe I can, quote unquote, fix them. You try to talk yourself into staying in so many unhealthy situations. And that's not to say at the first sign of trouble, if the ship starts taking on water, immediately abandon ship within reason. 
person. Mm -hmm. It is healthy to try to work on things through maybe couples counseling. I've been there myself. Mm -hmm. I've already been through a divorce. But on the flip side of all of that, at other times, you might have to come to the realization and be okay with the fact that you are the unhealthy piece to that puzzle. Mm -hmm. And maybe you are somebody who is not good for the person that wants to extract themselves from you. And in retrospect, when I went through my divorce, my wife had just had enough. She couldn't do it anymore. And it was so difficult for me to hear because to me, everything was fine. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't imagine my life without her. And I thought my life was going to be over. And I kicked and screamed and I begged and I pleaded and all of these other things. Lo, these many years later, I can understand why she needed to get away from me. We met very young, Mm -hmm. and I'll never forget something that she said to me. It's not the first time I've heard it. It's not the last time, and it's something that I need to work on to not be that toxic person. I went away for a job for a little while, and she said, while you were gone, suddenly I realized it was as if a huge weight had been lifted off of my shoulders. And I had to start asking myself, well, why is that? I am prone to depression. And when I hit a crisis, I can be very difficult. I can be overwhelming. And sometimes I have to make sure that I don't take that out on other people. Because in some ways, I talk about your upbringing and what was normal. Mm -hmm. I was experiencing a lot of that kind of thing in my childhood. And the way that I was kept in certain situations was through guilt, was through control, and was through you've got to be loyal, you've got to stick through this no matter what. So you can throw all of those things at somebody else. But at some point, too, when it comes to a romantic relationship, it takes two to tango. And we both have a role. What is your role? Look at that more closely. Push that ego aside and say, how am I causing problems in this relationship? Mm -hmm. It goes both ways. It does. And sometimes it's the individual, but sometimes it's actually how you interact with each other. And that can be the powerful thing is that dynamic of what's created here because of maybe the baggage, certain things that I need or what do you need? And it kind of plays on each other. So it's interesting how we can bring out certain things in each other. You might have had that with her. She felt that way, but that doesn't mean that in every relationship, but maybe it's looking at it and saying, okay, what am I bringing to the table? How do we interact with each other? Like you said, you met very young. So there's some dynamics there that a lot of times we're not as insightful when we're younger. We just, ah, this is how I am. Take it or leave it type of thing. But later on, you learn like, okay, what's the effect that this has on other people? And you start interacting maybe with other people and have a different kind of dynamic there. Well, and there was an immaturity from a relationship perspective. And when I got back out there, I took that immaturity with me Mm -hmm. and still needed to continue to work on it. So when we talk about having a different view on everything, as time progresses, if you're doing it right, you are taking lessons from all of this. You're not being stubborn. You're trying to keep an open mind, not only about that other person and how they're affecting you, but also about yourself. Now, when we move it into the friends realm, there are certain things that I've had to learn about people who I really, really like them and Mm -hmm. I love being around them, but I have to come to grips. There is this thing in life, whether it's a romantic relationship or a friendship, when you love something that has no capacity to love you back in the same way that you love it, it is time to take inventory on that situation. And given the fact that I have done what I do from a career perspective, there are certain people who over time I started to realize, 
well, they like me because maybe I can get them a concert ticket or they're constantly asking me for favors or trying to have them on my radio show to promote something. Or maybe a lot of times they're trying to sell me something. And how come it's always me who is making the arrangements for us to get together? And how many times do they have to blow me off at the last second before after a while I have to say, have some respect for yourself and realize that this person just isn't worth it for as much as I want to believe that this person is at some point you've just got to move on and especially Courtney when you said that moment at two o'clock in the morning when you really need somebody Mm -hmm. that's when you find out who your friends are I say that and I said it in the last podcast if you get sick Mm -hmm. if you lose a job if you are having some kind of relationship crisis and you need advice watch out for the people who are running to the hills when you Mm -hmm. need the most and especially the ones who are bottomless pits, who are taking all of that from you, but somehow, for whatever reason, can't give it back. Right. And one thing actually that just popped into my head, just kind of a sadness that I had gone through. I had a friendship, and I have. I'm very fortunate to have friendships like that. But I had one that was like that. I probably could call them in the middle of the night, and they'd come right over. But it started to turn into a toxic friendship. It was one of those things where I'd get very anxious to be around the person, and we just weren't getting along. On paper, it looked like this should be a great friendship. But we just struggled. And finally, since we had been friends for so long, we just kept throwing everything at it, trying to see, okay, let's make this work. But it turned into so much work that finally we had to let it go. And I remember it was so heartbreaking, but I also remember a feeling of, okay, relief. We don't need to keep trying to do everything to make this fit. And finally, just realizing that we can have that acceptance, just like they say, and I know it's cliche, but friendships and relationships don't have to last forever. Sometimes they last for a certain amount of time. We learn certain lessons from them. We let them go. And I know people struggle with that because I've had a lot of people, like especially in couples counseling, we're going to keep working at this until we make this work because I've spent 10 years with this one and I dumped <laughs> 10 years into this relationship. I'm not going to waste it. Exactly. And it's funny. We have that brain fallacy. We have that thing of just like if we go to the movies and we pay the money and the movie's terrible, we're not going to leave because we put the money down. So it's going to get better. I'm not good. (laughs) (laughs) But it's kind of funny how we do this. When I was reading this book on it, I said, that's so interesting. And so I remember that. And I said to the couple, well, when was it really good in your relationship? When did it start turning sour? They said it was really good the first year. Then after that, it was terrible. I go, so you just piled on nine more years on top of that. Nine horrible years. the first year was good, but you don't want to cut your losses because I invested all that time. Look, you don't need to watch Police Academy 7 because you like Police Academy 1, okay? But I'm invested. But look who's talking. Hey, look, Steve Gutenberg isn't even in this one, okay? He's abandoned ship. You with SNL. So look who's talking because (laughs) you are fully in on that, being like, when is it going to get better? That's a FOMO thing, too. Yeah. You know, if something happens on the live show and, oh, Mm -hmm. I wasn't there for it, you also struggle with things like that. I think it's a FOMO thing in relationships too, Brian, because it's like, what if that person finally gets it and starts acting better, but they're with somebody else? (laughs) And it's like, oh man, I've heard that too from people. So I tell people, you know what? The relationship has value no matter what. And if you can take value from it, then it wasn't a quote unquote waste of time. Nothing's a waste of time. We are learning from it. We're learning with what we put up with, with what we want, what our values are, all of these things. So we have to be able to look at it. If it's a relationship that needs to end, do it with gratitude and with an appreciation of what you learned from it and what you both brought to it. 
And I also want to reiterate, too, that there is always room for work and forgiveness. But I have a policy as I have become older, and sometimes I need to do this with my wife, who will admittedly tell you that sometimes she has some insecurity issues and self-esteem, and she wants everybody to like her, and not because she's an egomaniac. It's just the kind of person that she is. Mm -hmm. She's a people person, and she doesn't like letting go. I always give everybody one get-out-of-jail-free card. You can screw me over monumentally, but if you come back to me Mm -hmm. and say, I am so sorry, I was completely wrong, you have every right to be disgusted with me, I hope you can accept this apology and I hope that we can move on. Fine. It's not as if I have never made a mistake in my life Mm -hmm. and wanted exactly the same thing. However, if you turn around (laughs) and inside of six months you do the same thing Mm -hmm. all over again, now it's a pattern. And now Mm -hmm. the get out of jail free card has been rescinded. And it's like, you know what? I've got to save myself here. This is a pattern of behavior. And clearly you have an issue in this area. Brian is snatching back that golden ticket. (laughs) You will no longer be alone. It's Brian Wonka. <laughs> That's all I can picture. Nope, you are no longer allowed here. You know what is really a heartbreaking one, and I see this more and more as I get older. I can have somebody who is the best friend in the world, mm-hmm. and we just spend so much time together, and we enjoy that time, and we love each other, and then that person gets into a relationship with somebody that nobody can stand. <laughs> and suddenly that person might not like you and look at you as a threat and becomes very controlling. And that is what kills the friendship. And there have been so many times that I have tried to work around that and I've tried to be accepting of that other person. Right. But at some point, eventually, I just have to say, this isn't about you and me anymore. Mm -hmm. It's about you, me, and him or her. And while I'm happy for you that you have found happiness with that, it's not necessarily something for which I bargained. And maybe I have to move on. And it's sad. It is. It can be very sad. And I know I've done some counseling with people around that as far as having some limits and saying, okay, then our relationship is going to be our relationship. We'll go out to eat. We'll go hang out. But we're not going to be a part of the relationship the person has with the other person. Sometimes people just don't get along. There's certain things. So it's hard. It's hard to preserve that. You know what else is really difficult? And I think this would be a good way to end if we could tie in the romantic relationships with the friendships. If you have been in a romantic relationship with somebody for a very long time, Mm -hmm. take my first marriage. We were together for 15 years. And a thing that commonly happens is happening right now in the marriage that I am in. You start making all of these friends as a couple and some Mm -hmm. of your friends become my friends and some of my friends become your friends. And then if that romantic romantic relationship dissolves. It's like splitting up. Whose book is this? <laughs> I can't imagine. <laughs> Whose oh, pair of pants is this? And some of them are then forced into the awkward position of... I'm feeling stressed for them. <laughs> yeah, I've got to choose this one over that one, ideally. And this is the good news. I'm still really good friends with my ex-wife. Even my wife and my ex-wife get along really well. I still have dinner with some of my ex-wife's relatives. Wow. If you can find a way to negotiate through that yeah. and everyone remains friends. And incidentally, my current wife 
wife has been divorced herself, and she is very close with one of the cousins of her ex-husband, mm-hmm. and they still yeah. see each other and get along. That's the ideal situation, yeah. but as with all things in life, Courtney, not everything is that tidy. <laughs> it gets messy, you know, and that's the thing. And, and it's if heartbreaking. Yeah, and if you can just kind of throw it out on the table, I know you love awkward, but we all don't love awkward. <laughs> Brian loves awkward. Oh, that's funny. From an funny. entertainment okay. perspective, yes. And yeah, other but people's I think awkward otherwise. is not mine. I think, yeah, exactly. I think other people's awkward sometimes entertains you. But I would say that throwing it out there and saying, okay, this is an awkward situation, and guess what? You don't have to choose sides. Maybe we can work around this and throw that out there. But you know what? Ultimately, you have to accept the fact that some people are going to want to bow out of all of it because it's just too much for them when they're just like, oh, I don't want to pick sides. Or they do pick sides and they stick with the other person. But it's hard. And I think that's awesome, Brian, that you're like friends with your ex. That can be unusual. I do a lot better with the moms, dads, aunts, and uncles than I do with the women themselves. That's what I've been finding. It's a pattern. And I'm trying to figure out why that is. Look, if I wanted to split up my mother-in-law and father-in-law, sometimes I think that I could. (laughs) I could put the moves on, but that's not going to end well for anybody. I also want to make an addendum to all of this. I have worked in areas where you are so intensely wrapped up in that relationship that you have with a coworker, mm-hmm. you just think, well, I'm going to be friends with this person yeah, forever. forever. And then the job ends for mm-hmm. one or both of you. And you think, well, we're going to stay in touch forever. <laughs> but then you suddenly realize, well, this was just a friendship of convenience. This yeah. is just because we were around each other every day. And ideally, maybe we would still be friends. But when you work in the entertainment industry and people move away and stuff like that, it's kind of tough to keep those things going. Yeah. And while it's heartbreaking, I can also tell you, when I got married, the party of the groom was filled with a small handful of radio people with whom I had worked years and years and years ago, and they had gone far away, and yet the friendship had still endured. And there was such a value in that. And even at my wedding, my buddy Will Forte, who people might know from Saturday Night Live, The Last Man on Earth, Nebraska, Mm -hmm. we remained such friends. We came up together as writers that we wrote a video and performed one for the wedding. Those are the ones that you should really be appreciative of. And I Mm -hmm. think think right now as we record, we are on the approach to Thanksgiving 2020. Mm-hmm. And to turn it all back around as we have to sit at tables maybe this year that are a lot more empty mm. than they have been in the past, have an appreciation more so than ever for those that you do miss and embrace the fact that you are missing them as a positive because that means that they are bringing something productive mm-hmm. To your life, and also look at it from this perspective. Thank God this person isn't here. Well, maybe it's time to reassess that relationship. Right, exactly. And that's the thing. I think this is a good time to kind of think about that and say, wow, I really miss this person and that person. And even writing them a little note to thank them and say, I really do miss you. And this is what I love about our relationship. And I've done a few of those as I approach the 5 I've written a few letters Come to people. Come on in, the water's fine, I Yeah, I don't know about that. Uh, but uh, yeah, I've Why, written... Put your shirt back on. <laughs> I've written a few notes to people and I thought maybe I would do that this year. Write to different people who've crossed my paths. And sometimes we might be still friends or maybe we were friends back in the day and we're just Facebook friends now or who knows, whatever it is. I'm thinking of some memories and I'm writing them down and sending out some thank you notes. And I think that can be a good thing that we do for people. And how special is that? That It's funny, though, because some people don't remember the memories. <laughs> I wrote to one of my friends, like, I don't remember doing that for you, but I right. Especially as all of you approach the big five. <laughs> exactly. What? What and happened? I said, well, the good thing is we can 
fill each other in. And uh, so I remember a few things. You remember a few things that we can go from there. I think that is a good way to kind of celebrate each other and keep those bonds while we go through the holidays that we're not going to see as many people as we did. But hopefully 2021 will be a lot better. I think it brings us to think about what we're grateful for in those relationships. And speaking of those holidays and Thanksgiving and that empty table and that whole approach, if I were to put money on the fact that somebody is going to say, you know, Brian, you weren't here for Thanksgiving. And again, it was as if a huge weight had been lifted <laughs> off of my shoulders. I'm going to put a saw buck on that for sure. <laughs> and I'm going to come out smelling like a rose. Well, we are very thankful, speaking of Thanksgiving, for all of you who take the time to not only listen to our morning radio show, but for those of you who download what we do here and tune in every single week. And you and I, this is Mm. so funny. This is coming full circle. Talking about conversations that you have and you can't remember things. This is what I was saying to you earlier when we got interrupted and I forgot to finish that thought. (laughs) One of the things that I'm loving about looking at the statistics when it comes to this podcast, when somebody checks out the latest episode, seeing how many people don't just stop there. It's like a Lay's potato chip. Mm -hmm. They don't want just one, and they go back, and I watch the older episodes growing in downloads, which tells me that hopefully we're doing a good job and that you are enjoying it. And for that, we are very thankful. And we want to extend a happy Thanksgiving to all of you, especially in this very troubled year where it might be a little bit more difficult than usual to have a happy one. Well, we appreciate it. Yes, we absolutely do. That's great, Brian. I love that. Yeah, I think that's a cool thing. And that's not to say that I wouldn't like more downloads in general. So I will tell you. (laughs) Tell your friends about us. To tell a friend and even to share this on the socials. If you are getting some out of this and even more importantly if you have that person in your life who is resistant to therapy Mm -hmm. who is reluctant to get on board that is what this whole thing is designed to do Mm -hmm. to take some of the intimidation away to make it user friendly and realize that a lot of what goes on in therapy is exactly what's going on between Courtney and myself Mm -hmm. again you a therapist and me a patient these Mm -hmm. are the kinds of conversations that we have from both ends of the spectrum exactly I think that's a great thing and I just love the fact that people are enjoying it and going back and checking us out. I'm even thankful for the trolls who hate it. <laughs> <I was laughs> we should pay attention. I know. I was going to say at least, or maybe it's the people being like, I hate this. Let me hear more of this. Oh, hey, download to download. I don't care who it's coming from. Well, again, you can check us out Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and then, of course, you have things like Alexa. You can get it that way. Mm-hmm. Lipson, you can Google us. So many ways. You can also contact us. Don't forget about our morning show at Cat Country Mornings on most socials. I'm Brian Mulhern on a lot of my pages. You mm-hmm. are Courtney Kelly Bedard. Mm-hmm. And if people want to contact a professional therapist directly, here's how you do it. Wellness at WCTK is where you can email me. You can also feel free to go to catcountry.com Wellness Wednesday page. We do a weekly episode on some wellness and give you a little positivity for your week. And you can check out our resources and listen to past episodes at Wellness Wednesday page at catcountry.com. Well, off of this conversation, Courtney, I am grateful for you and your friendship. And I think I'm going to hang on to it at least for another week so we can do episode 28. That's the good news. Hey, thanks, Brian. I passed. I got the golden ticket for yet another week. hey, Brian, kind of, sort of, right back at you. Yeah, uh, thanks. (laughs) Thanks for coping on the couch with us, Courtney and Brian, and happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone.